I think when I first started out, I had this idea that success is only success if I've achieved it all on my own. <laughs> I put a lot of weight on my own shoulders, right? Once I started to get other people involved in my goals, it became so much easier. And I'll give you a specific example. So when I decided that I wanted to make that move from public policy to management consulting, I actually let people know that was my goal. That was my intent, that management consulting was on my, my list, you know, that I wanted to get into that. And lo and behold, what ended up happening, um, I was at a party one Friday night. A friend came up to me and said, hey, did you know there's a woman here who works as a management consultant for one of the big four? And I said, oh, really? Well, I would love to meet her. <laughs> you know, So I go over and I introduce myself. And that just started a whole chain of events that led to me getting my, um, my first management consulting role. Mm-hmm. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles. Reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 38 of the Second Breaks Podcast. And it is Monday, February 12th, 2018, as I record this episode. So today, I'm just going to go straight to the guest because the Next week, the episode next week is just going to be all me. So I'm going to reserve all the pre-guest notes. Pre-guest notes? Is that what we call it? Anyway, this introduction, the stuff that I normally say or talk about before I introduce the guest, I'm going to reserve all that for next week. So my guest this week is certified leadership coach Ainsley Tanner. Ainsley is also the founder of Personal Brand Agency, a company that helps individual professionals and service providers to develop authentic personal brands so that they could stand out from the competition and attract their dream clients. But before all that, Ainsley had navigated a number of strategic career pivots from engineering to public policy to management consulting and then finally to entrepreneurship. And she's also navigated a couple of geographical moves alongside those career shifts. So Ainsley's just got a ton of insight from all these experiences that I think you'll find valuable and helpful. And I'm so excited to introduce her to you. In this episode, Ainsley shares her lessons learned from these transitions, the challenges that she faced, some expected, some surprising, and then uh, what helped her the most during those uh, transitions to help address these challenges. She also talks about the importance of understanding and managing your personal brand and connecting the dots for others when making a career pivot. We mentioned a number of resources in this episode, and you'll find all of those links plus today's show notes at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 38. In addition, you'll also find links to other resources there, including a link to sign up for the Pivot Essentials. This is a free guide to help you plan and design your career pivot. You'll get a downloadable PDF plus a five-day email series that dives deeper into some of the basic blocking and tackling that you'll need to carry out your career move. Again, secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 38. So let me transition to my chat with Ainsley, and as usual, I'll catch up with you at the back end. Hello, Ainsley. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thanks so much for having me, Lou. 
So I usually like to start these conversations with a bit of backstory. So if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of your career story, kind of the highlights of how you came about doing what you're doing today. Is that okay? Absolutely. It's been quite a journey. So I'm going to take you back to,、um, I studied、uh, at university in the United States. I got an engineering degree and I decided I wanted to move overseas and kind of explore the world. So I moved to Germany. And started work at an automotive systems manufacturer. And there I was responsible for producing a line of tires for the North American market. So I did, was involved in everything from producing materials、um, for the tires to you know, setting the technical specifications and overseeing manufacture at all of our different plants around the world.、Um, after that, I did that for a few years and then I moved to New Zealand. And there I got into the public service. So I worked for the education ministry、um, in New Zealand for a couple of years and did public policy、um, for them, for their primary and secondary schools. After that, I moved into management consulting, first focusing on IT, which I think is, is kind of where your background was,、mm-hmm. um, and then eventually got into、um, business case development for large scale infrastructure projects, so roading and rail and so forth. And it was actually there at that second management consulting role that I discovered.、Um, I did my coaching certification and discovered this world of leadership coaching. And that's what prompted me to eventually、um, go off and start my own business. And after I had、um, been in the leadership coaching space for a while, I noticed personal branding was a topic that came up for folks a lot. And that's what led me to start the personal brand agency after that. So, gotcha. That's my, my journey in a nutshell. So, just curious though, when you moved from, well, from the US to Germany, was, that, was the move largely because of the job that you were relocating or because you wanted to experience the world a little bit?、Um, it was probably more the latter because actually, just、um, circumstantially, in my last couple of years of university, I ended up living with a bunch of folks from overseas. And I was just amazed. You know, it was my first like, kind of experience, really firsthand. of... You know, living and working with people who were from a different country. And I just admired them for their ability to, in, you know, in a foreign language, to study the kinds of subjects I was studying, which were already hard for me, you know. And just, I really admired that and thought, gosh, I'd love to have an experience like that myself. So、um, that's what prompted me to really want to look overseas for my first role. Gotcha. And then from there, you moved to New Zealand, not only moving geographically, but also switching、uh, fields of work. Big switch, very big switch. And I'll tell you, Lou, when I, when I told my story the way that I just did, right, I, I kind of fit it all into, I don't know, like a couple of minutes. But I will tell you, there were so many,、um, it didn't just flow that easily. Like in between each of those, those pivots,、mm-hmm. um, there were, I made so many missteps. I, there w a s so many、um, times that I got rejected for you know, the applications that I set out and things. And I'd love to just share that I totally be, believe that adage when people say it's not about how many yeses you get, it's about how many no's you can take to get there. That has been so true throughout my career. You've just you got to keep at it. You know, it might not happen the first time, but you can get there if you keep at it. You know, keep learning, keep growing from each, you know, each experience. So, yeah. So, was the move to public policy、uh, the intent, or you,、uh, you stumbled into it as a new opportunity? No, this was an intent. So, when I had、um, made the decision to leave the engineering job in Germany, Um, I left with an awareness that I love the problem solving aspect of engineering, but I'd really like to work on more social, like human problems. So, what's a, what's a problem solving you know, in a human capacity? Like, what does that look like? And I thought public policy might, be,、um, might combine those kind of facets for me. So, that was kind of, I was curious and wanted to explore. So, that was a deliberate 
a deliberate move. And then uh, when you moved from there um, to management consulting, was that again more of an intentional uh, move? It was. I'm quite a deliberate person. It's one of my st- top strengths in my strengths finder profile. So for me, when I when I made the decision to leave public policy, it was um, it was really because the pace of the environment was just it wasn't a great fit for me. I am somebody who's very kind of let's move. You know, I right, like I right. like the faster pace. And I thought, you know, management consulting would give me the chance to work on problems that people wanted solved ASAP. And so I thought, well, maybe let's get back into the private sector. Let's try try a different area and see how that works. Gotcha. So. And I, I do want to dig deeper into uh, the last move, which is to entrepreneurship. But before we go there, I was just wondering if, like, if you would mind sharing with us, sort of like looking back now with all the switches from the U.S. to Germany, the engineering to public policy to management consulting, sort of kind of what what helped you the most or maybe what surprised you and then what helped you the most during those pivots? Yes, there's so much I could say, Lou. So I'm going to I'm going to try to keep it concise. I'm going to give you maybe my top three recommendations that I think were so, so beneficial. Um, And my first is going to have to be asking for help. So I think when I first started out, I had this idea that success is only success if I've achieved it all on my own. <laughs> I put a lot of weight on my own shoulders, right? Um, but I wonder where that comes from, right? I we know. Have, it's so many of us have that. It's not yeah. very rare, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, once I started to get other people involved in my goals, it became so much easier. And I'll give you a specific example. So when I decided that I wanted to make that move from public policy to management consulting, I actually let people know that was my goal. That was my intent, that management consulting was on my, my list, you know, that I wanted to get into that. And lo and behold, what ended up happening, um, I was at a party one Friday night. A friend came up to me and said, hey, did you know there's a woman here who works as a management consultant for one of the big four? And I said, oh, really? Well, I would love to meet her. <laughs> you know, so I go over and I introduce myself. And that just started a whole chain of events that led to me getting my, um, my first management consulting role, mm-hmm. right? I wouldn't have put it out there, you know, that that connection may never have happened, right? So it just made everything so much easier and it happened so much faster, right? So asking for help, I would encourage people, get other people involved in your goals. It's so beneficial. Um, the second thing I'd say is getting feedback. I think a lot of us shy away from this mm, yes. because it feels scary. But <laughs> this has proved invaluable for me making these pivots. And I'll give you an example. So Um, after I got into the habit that after any interview that I had, whether I got the job or not, I would ask for feedback from the person who had interviewed me. And it was (laughs) in this one particular case, you know, not everybody will say yes, but in this one particular case, the woman said, yes, absolutely. Come on in. We'll sit down and talk. And she let me know that she had found me one of the most boring people she had ever interviewed. And wow, shock, right? right? I was completely like, oh my gosh, this is for real. But I thanked her, you know, thank you for your honesty. Would you mind telling me, you know, like how did, what was it that I, how I came across that contributed to that? And she let me know that it was really, you know, what I had thought was being deliberate and thoughtful in my answers by pausing before answering. She had found completely like strange to have this pause. pause So what I learned from that was that actually it's not just about the content of my answers in an interview, right? It's about how I'm making the other person feel. It's a conversation, how am I building rapport with them? So this completely transformed how I behaved in every interview after that. And Lou, my success rate in interviewing went through the roof after that. But if I had not asked for that piece of feedback, I never, never would have You never know, right? Getting feedback, so valuable. Encourage people to do that. 
Um, the third thing I'd say, um, and I'll leave it here, is um, it has to do with personal branding and how you manage how you're perceived, right? How you connect the dots for the person sitting across the table from you, right? Mm-hmm. So if I think back to the time when I was moving from engineering to public policy, there's a difference when I adjusted my, my resume from being an engineer who was applying for a policy role to being a policy analyst with an engineering background, okay? There's a subtle difference here, and it makes all the difference, okay? So when I was first applying and I just was handing out my engineering resume, people were throwing it in the bin because they're like, she must have applied for the wrong role. This makes no sense. But once I adjusted it to tell the story that I'm a policy analyst, And I'm a rare breed because I have an engineering background. And imagine the value I can add to your teams with my analytical skill, the quantitative analysis I'm going to be able to add to the policy analysis that Mm -hmm. your teams are doing. She want me in your team. (laughs) It added this whole other level. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, started getting callbacks. So, yeah. There's a difference there. Exactly. I love that. Um, in fact, one of the books that I'd read very early on when I was uh, considering my own pivot, um, I hope I'm remembering the right book, but I believe it's uh, by Dory Clark. And that was one of the things that she said is that she said, connect the dots for the other people so that they see you from this role to that role. Don't leave it up to them to figure out or to create their own story. So that's a perfect mm-hmm. example. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And um, and uh, you did mention a phrase, though, that I wanted to pick on a little bit because uh, you and I are both, you know, uh, in business now. And of course, in business, we hear a lot about branding, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a phrase that you use, personal branding. and But you used it in the context of applying for jobs or like, yes. before you even became an entrepreneur. In the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's probably not a phrase that we commonly hear about in the context of a employed uh, space, right? Or that employed world, right? Yes, yes. And I, to to be honest, I didn't know that term when I was first starting out either. It's only in hindsight, right, that I've connected the dots and I see see how this makes sense. So I'd love to share a story um, to help illustrate how I learned actually what personal branding is all about. And this was back when I was working as a management consultant. Mm -hmm. Um, And these were in the days when I really relied on my work ethic to represent me. You know, I I was committed to being reliable. I worked long hours with my clients. Um, I'd come back into the office after a long day at work to, to do more, more things back at the office. And I really saw myself as a workhorse. Mm. And um, one of the things I do, as you know, Lou, sometimes in management consulting, you're often out at client sites. So you don't actually see your consulting clients that often. So what I got into the habit of doing to add to the team building aspect of what I was doing value-wise uh, was to bring my colleagues in for Friday afternoon tea. And I'd bring in some baking, bring in some muffins, cake, whatever, and get everybody around the table so that we could see each other before we'd head off to the weekend, right? So I thought I was adding value in all these different ways. And about two years went by and I wanted to go for a promotion. I put together the obligatory business case yeah. outlining all the ways they added value and waited to hear back from the partners um, about you know, the results of their decision. And my boss called me into her office and she sat me down and she said straight to my face, I will never forget, Ainsley, the partners at this firm want to promote a future partner, not the team mom. What? And my jaw, my jaw dropped. My jaw dropped. I was completely shocked to find out that that's the way that I was perceived. That was, well, first of all, not how I wanted to come across. Um, right. But more importantly, number two, it was not effective in helping me get the promotion I wanted. I had failed to influence the decision makers effectively. 
So this moment taught me a couple of things. So number one, your personal brand ultimately is not what you say it is, it's what other people say it is. And two, I had to be a lot more strategic. Mm. A lot more strategic about especially how I was using my limited in-person time with the decision makers. Because that was formulating, that was influencing heavily how they were perceiving me. Right. So I took that information on board. And again, I, I, you know, I, I didn't just run out of that conversation. I sat there and I took the feedback. I was like, let me hear it. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Let's hear it. like what's causing this. And so she helped me analyze how I had been coming across, you know, how I'd been kind of misusing my limited time with the partners and so forth. Um, and I took that information on board and I decided, you know, I had some options. I was at a crossroads. I could either wait another year to apply for a promotion at this firm again, mm-hmm. or I could start looking externally at a competitor to see, could I get the promotion I wanted outside? Mm-hmm. And that's the route I decided to take. So this time though, I was very strategic. <laughs> so when I was uh, looking for the job to apply for, I made sure that I understood very clearly what the hiring manager was looking for beyond the job description. What was it they wanted in this individual? And in this particular case, the hiring manager told me they were looking for, and put in quotes, a safe pair of hands. Those were his exact words. And so everything I did from how I tailored my resume to the stories I told in the interview mm-hmm. were all tying back to this message that I am a safe pair of hands. Let me tell you about the times that I've project managed things on time and on budget, that I've engineered things you know, that were had strict safety requirements, et cetera, et cetera. I kept on putting the, you know, the messaging right back, connecting the dots. I'm a safe pair of hands. Now, not only did I get that role, Lou, but I was also offered a salary that was 40% higher than what I had been earning before. Did I suddenly in those couple of months become 40% more knowledgeable or more skilled or anything? Not at all. But I was worth that much more to them because I was exactly what they were looking for. I had positioned myself exactly what they wanted yeah and that's actually a good point because i just wanted to clarify uh for the person who's sitting down and listening and saying well i i don't want to i don't want to be uh inauthentic right i want to be who i am and so you're not we're not saying when we're talking about branding we're not saying be a person who you're not Exactly. Such a great point. So it's not it's not trying to be somebody else. It's just understanding how your actions are being perceived. Because to your point, I think what you said earlier was great. You said your brand isn't what you think it is. It is actually what other think what other people think it is. Yes, absolutely. That's the ultimate test. And you make such a great point. And I'd love to emphasize that a personal brand is not about putting on a mask. It's about showcasing the best of what you have to offer that's most relevant for the person you're trying to influence. So whether that's a hiring manager or that's a potential client you want to get on board with your business, it's about giving them the relevant information, right? Because we all have, we're all complex individuals with diverse backgrounds and, you know, nuanced personalities. We have so much to offer, different strengths and skills. You can't overwhelm your prospect or whoever it is you're trying to influence with all of that and let and make them sort through to try to find what bits are relevant. So it's really about being strategic and targeted with what you decide to share about yourself. So in my situation, um, I didn't make any mention of baking. Am I a good baker? Sure. Do I enjoy it? Sure. But it was not relevant for the hiring manager. So it did not come in at any point during the recruitment process. Exactly. Right? I stuck to the line. I'm a safe <laughs> pair of hands. <laughs> Much more effective for influencing. Yes. Well, exactly. Um, after all, I mean, there's actually uh, a line that you and I have heard through our business mentor, Tara, about um, that whatever we put out there is fulfilling a job or, you know, uh, helping someone 
uh, address their problem. And in a sense, when we're applying for a job, it's the same thing. The person who's hiring us has a problem, and we're basically uh, positioning ourselves to be the solution to that problem. Yes. And the better we can position ourselves as the perfect solution, the more we're worth, the more value they see in us. Perfect. Now, I want to move to your last pivot. But before I do that, before I leave the topic of branding, because I do know that this is a service that you provide today. And I think you provide it. uh, Is it primarily a service that you provide for uh, business owners? Or do you also provide uh, branding for individuals? Yes, for both. So with, with personal brand agency, we're really focused on helping either individual professionals or individual service providers, as opposed to, you know, corporates or big organizations. Um, we, we help them save time and effectively influence the right people by positioning their brand as the person, the ideal person for them to hire. Right. Got and it. so it's every it's everything from like brand strategy and positioning to the photography that we use to the web design and development, the copywriting. We, we provide all of this to provide a deliverable at the end that is a website that positions you authentically (laughs) and distinctively as the right person for them. So, Gotcha. So um, I lied. I thought I was only going to have one question uh, remaining in personal branding, but something else popped up. Uh, Again, so let's, for example, say that a person is maybe looking at their next level up, right? So maybe they're looking for their C-level, C-suite opportunities, or maybe they want to be a a board member or something like that. Would you, uh, nowadays, do you suggest people to have their own platform, like a website of some sort that where they can actually talk about themselves or uh, present themselves uh, in that Mm -hmm. kind of a platform? I'd at least recommend that you have a presence online in some fashion, because I'll tell you, there was a study from CareerBuilder that came out in uh, just last year, and they had surveyed the hiring managers from all different fields, and 57% of them had reported that if they cannot find information about an individual who's applied for a role somewhere online, they will not shortlist them mm. for an interview. So people want to find out something about you. So whether it's a LinkedIn profile or a website um, or an about me page or something, um, then I I think that's just critical nowadays to to have some kind of a platform online. People are Googling you and they want to find you. Exactly. That's just how we are now. And to your point, uh, the absence of information actually creates more of a question as opposed to a curiosity for the person to interview you. It's more like, you know, not even going to give you the time of day or they're not even going to interview you (laughs) yes yes well to your point I've heard you in your past podcast Lou you talk about the world of work is changing and you know it's a lot more competitive the world's globalized nowadays and we're going to be changing jobs a lot more frequently into the future and so being able to have an online platform that positions you for whatever role you're going for next um, is really a helpful way to influence the process in your favor Hey, my friend, I just want to ask you a favor. My mission for Second Break's podcast is to highlight all the ways that we can make a career move in today's world so we can thrive in our work and reach our highest potential. And I need your help with this mission. You can do two small things. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. And if you have enjoyed the show and the podcast, I would so much appreciate it if you'd take a brief moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Simply go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will take you directly to iTunes. By subscribing to the show and leaving me a review, you will help me tremendously in reaching more career professionals who can benefit the most from this podcast. Thank you so much.
Now we can switch to the topic because now I, I can ask you about your last pivot. So from management consulting to entrepreneurship. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you made that decision? How did you make that jump or what pushed you to make that leap? Absolutely. So I had I had the chance to do uh, a coach certification course when I was working in my last corporate gig as a management consultant. Um, and I that just absolutely I fell in love with it. And not only that, I also did a strengths finder assessment when I was at that role as well and found out that I had this top strength of individual individualization is what it was called. Um, and at first I didn't know what to do with that, but once I'd finished the coaching course, I thought, oh, this is a way for me to work with individuals one-on-one, um, to really add value, to help them accelerate their development. Um, and so I looked for, originally I looked for opportunities in-house, you know, in the, in the corporate that I was in, um, to be able to use this coaching. Uh, but the roles were few and far between. Um, there was one big global um, leadership development program that had a few coaches in that, but it was, you know, very competitive to get into. I, I believe you were a part of yes, that, actually. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I knew that my wait time was going to be years before I'd have a chance really to get to do that in-house. So I made the decision, look, I'm really committed to this. This is something I want. I think it plays to my strengths. Um, this is what I want my next pivot to be about. So I made the I made the jump cold turkey. I went straight from working full time in corporate to all of a sudden working doing my own business. So, I mean, you've obviously, by the time you did that, uh, you've made a few pivots yourself already. So you're not exactly new to the world of pivoting and changing careers, but I would imagine that there was something extra special about, you know, something different about moving to entrepreneurship, right? And so could you maybe share with us kind of like your biggest uh, surprises or maybe even the biggest challenges that you faced when you made that leap? Absolutely. To be honest, Lou, at the time, I didn't think I was going to be as surprised as I was. <laughs> you know, I really thought, no, I'm well prepared. I have had this diverse career in the corporate world. Like this, this is going to be no problem. Um, <laughs> but I, I had my eyes opened very quickly. Um, and in some areas that I, I had been oblivious to previously, I think one of the main things that had shocked me when I first started was actually that putting a price on my services was a really difficult process. You know, I was used to in, in the, um, you know, management consulting world, we have our charge out rates, you know, here's my card, here's what I, I am charging, you know, it's very clear. So I didn't expect that all of a sudden, when I had the choice of what price to put on my services, that it was going to be as difficult as it was. So that was a big surprise and eye opener for me and required me to do a lot of uh, work around my money mindsets. Um, Something I think uh, I can totally relate because I think there's a, a difference between, you know, you're being told that, uh, you know, this, your salary is going to be X, right? And you sure you can negotiate, but it's different because you have someone who's telling you this is the value. Yeah. As yes. opposed to you're starting from a blank slate and you're now the one who's putting value into that work. Exactly. It, it, I had never questioned that I was deserving of a salary when, when I was working in the corporate world. I'm like, of course you should pay me. That's what you do. But then all of a sudden, when I have the choice over what price to put, then it's like, well, is this too expensive? Is this too cheap? Uh, all these you know, questions, this self-talk crops up around, gosh, what number do I put on this? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, takes, it takes some work to figure that out. Absolutely. And if I hadn't have put myself into the situation, I never would have known that was a blind spot for me. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. The second area um, that was a big surprise was around promoting myself. Mm. Um, so even once I'd had these insights around personal branding, I didn't realize that it was going to be as challenging as it was to put myself out there online. 
I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a laggard. I'll just <laughs> be open about that when it comes to technology. Um, I didn't even have a social media account before I um, started my own businesses. And I was absolutely petrified of this idea of putting my photo online and, you know, telling people this is the value that I offer and everything. It was actually, it was a very difficult process for me to go through. Um, but, you know, I saw a video from um, Marshall Goldsmith not too long ago, actually, and he, I thought, positioned this um, so well when he said, isn't it a bit arrogant if I think that I don't have to do any promotion and everybody in the world who, who could use my services is just going to come to me and just be aware of, oh, let me Google Ainsley Tanner. <laughs> no, of course not. Nobody out there is thinking about me, right? It's my job as somebody with something to offer to make sure I get in front of the people who could use what I've got, right? So that's, that's on me. <laughs> it's the seller's job to sell, not the buyer's job to buy. So that was a great lesson I got from Marshall Goldsmith. And he has a video about that online if you want to Google for that. I will yeah. definitely. And I will <laughs> include the link in the show notes. But that's actually a good point, too, because I think and I don't know if this is somewhat related to this isn't even true anymore. But we all came, I think, the the old uh the older generation or the generation, certainly my parents, when I was growing up, they were telling me, just work hard and people will see uh, your, your the merit, your, right? And um, and how valuable you are. Just work hard. And I think part of that is what's in there somewhere. Absolutely. And I, I had this so strongly ingrained as well from, from my upbringing. Um, be a hard worker, you know, kind of keep your head down, work hard, you'll be recognized. And I think there was merit to that in the old paradigm of work but the world is changing. Mm -hmm. The competition is greater. Um, hiring managers no longer have just a couple of CVs they're reviewing or resumes. They are looking at hundreds potentially from people all around the world. Things are moving very fast, becoming very complex. Um, in order to compete, we can't be silent anymore. We need to be masters of connecting the dots for the person we want to influence to help them see uh, that's the person I need right now. Okay, that's a very good point. Whether, whether you're looking for a job or whether even if you're simply wanting to uh, continue to be relevant in the company that you're working in right now, you need to yes. be able to figure out a way to promote yourself, promote your ideas, promote your projects, promote what you're, you're involved with. Exactly. This is the, these are the strengths I have. This is the value I have to offer. This is why you need me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Connect those thoughts. Absolutely. And I'd also say another surprise was about how dealing with the criticism, because it's one thing to get, you know, some feedback one-on-one -on -one in a corporate job. You know, I thought I was perfectly fine at handling, handling that. But all of a sudden, when you're running a business, particularly online, you're putting your, your work out there in front of strangers, essentially. So not just people that you have relationships with, right? So now anybody can have an opinion on what you're doing and can leave you a little comment on YouTube letting you know that this was completely irrelevant or whatever, you know, and it, it can hurt. It can feel like little daggers every time that, you know, people are providing the, you know, these comments that aren't necessarily useful feedback, but just criticism. Mm -hmm. um, and so I discovered very quickly that I was going to have to come up with a new way of dealing with this if I was going to survive, right? So the, the first strategy that I came up with as an interim step was just around um, celebrating in any of those moments where I felt that that attack from someone and just saying, you know, I had the courage to put myself out there. This is this is par for the course. So this is just part of it. And I'm proud of myself for at least, you know, pushing forward. Um, eventually, I, I kind of just adopted a new mindset, I'd say, mm. and realizing it's not my responsibility to, to take ownership of how other people choose to, to respond. You know, I'm not going to be the perfect fit for everyone. And that's absolutely fine. Um, I can't service every person on the planet. So um, that's, it's not my job to take responsibility for how they 
how they respond. So um, once I was able to let go of that, I'm much more at ease now with feedback coming my way or even praise just to realize, look, it's telling me more about the other person than it is about me. Right. Yeah, that's that an important yeah, lesson. That's uh, that's an important lesson, but it could also be very tough. It's tough for me. I mean, the the very first time I wrote a book, I was like, oh, my God, it's one thing for me to write a book for my parents and my family to read. Yep. It's one thing to put it out there to your point to just Absolutely. anybody can say anything about the book. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it can be it can be quite a surprise. Shock to the system sometimes. <laughs> well done for persevering and doing it anyway. That's the thing. That's worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, Ainsley, I know that throughout our conversation, which, by the way, I'm loving this conversation. I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, it, uh, and I know that throughout the conversations, you've given us a lot of um, food for thought or suggestions about you know how to think or what to consider um, if you're thinking of making a pivot or thinking of positioning yourself for your next uh, step or uh, forward, right? Um, the, the one thing, though, that I wanted to ask you, because because you've had this experience of actually relocating uh, geographically, right? And yep. so uh, a lot a lot of people are out there uh, nowadays thinking they want to live somewhere else outside of where they're living today. And, um, and so uh, if, if uh, anyone is listening who has that sort of goal uh, that they want to uh, not necessarily be a nomad, but, you know, uh, move to a different country and work there. How, uh, what might you suggest as their first one or two steps or how might they go about exploring the possibilities? Absolutely. Um, I've got plenty of advice here. So <laughs> I'd say number one, the internet is your friend. It is so full of information. So go ahead and make some Google some things to start with, right? Um, recruitment companies can be another great resource you know, for looking at um, making, especially the global ones, they can help make connections across borders. I'm also going to come back to the point I, I made earlier about asking for help, reaching, reaching out to people who have done what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know, make, start making some connections, you know, inviting them for a virtual uh, coffee catch up, um, you know, sending them an email, connecting on LinkedIn, whatever it might be, reaching out and saying, look, hey, I admire what you've done. And I'd love to do something similar. Could I sit down with you for a little bit and learn about how you've made the journey that you've, you've done? So um, people love to talk about themselves and are often willing to help others, you know, other ambitious people. So um, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Oh my goodness, I can talk to you for hours, but I want to also be respectful of your time, Ainsley. Um, a couple of questions. One is, and I can see your very nice bookshelf behind you. Uh, is there a book, maybe a fiction, nonfiction, whichever, that has made an impact that you might recommend? Oh gosh, yes, I could recommend so many, but you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a more recent one, The Hidden Brain from Shankar Vedantam. Uh, was absolutely fascinating and such wonderful storytelling. And he talks about unconscious bias and gives lots of wonderful case studies about um, how that comes through. Um, So yeah, I'd recommend that wholeheartedly. It's a fascinating read. Thank you. And then finally, where can people find you online? And if you would mind talking about the the two places where we could find you and talk about them separately. 
Absolutely. So um, the first place you can find me is at personalbrandagency.com. And actually, if you wanted to go to personalbrandagency.com slash second breaks, we have a guide there that specifically talks people through how to make a strategic choice about how to position your brand to make sure that it's authentic and relevant for your audience and so forth. So um, that's a resource there if people would like. Um, And if people are interested in learning more about the leadership coaching side, they can come over to ainsleytanner.com. This was perfect, Ainsley. I enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your experiences and your expertise. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of the Second Breaks Podcast, my friend. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 38. And don't forget to sign up for the Pivot Essentials while you're there. We've got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes of this podcast and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I will be back next week. Uh, Just me for next week. So I hope to see you. I hope to talk to you again next week. Till then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 